Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Jonathan Harvey, and I'm the host of the Modern Conservative Podcast. You probably knew that already. Hey, today is Tuesday, my second favorite of the week. Not really, I'm lying. I actually hate Tuesdays as well because it's a weekday. But um, today I have a very, very, very good friend of mine. He's my homeboy. He's a cowboy hat. I'm the cowboy boots. His name is Carson George Jorgensen, and he is the GOP chair of the state of Utah. Carson, welcome to the Modern Conservative Podcast. Uh, thanks for having me on, friend. It's always good to spend time with you. Dude, tell us about yourself. Um, I don't know, a little bit about myself. Uh, man, my family, we've been here in Utah for a couple hundred years now. Uh, my family run a big sheep ranch here in central Utah. Um We've been, I think I'm the sixth generation to do that. Uh, nobody in my family is really in politics, but a few years back, I decided um, uh, farming and ranching was really taking a beating in the media. We were really getting a bad rap across the country. So I kind of took to social media and started to tell the agricultural story and started to talk mm -hmm. about agriculture and built a social media following and, and really just spread that message. Well, that, kind of turned in one thing after another. Um, and I realized that there was no way we could keep agriculture in the loop and keep a seat at the table unless people in agriculture started to get involved in politics. So that's when I really started to step into politics and, and shifted gears a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. ran for Congress in 2020 and didn't quite get there. We did okay. But then I stepped back into the race for the GOP chair in 2021 and won that by a pretty good margin and so here we are you know for those you know rookies such as myself because i've only been really into politics for since maybe a year year and a half tops and so now explain to the people here in utah what does the gop chair do do so um, the, the state chairman, he really oversees the party and he's kind of like the CEO of the organization. So Utah has 900,000 registered Republicans. And within the state of Utah, there are 29 counties. Each county has their own county party. So they're kind of the smaller grassroots organization. And then we oversee the statewide elections. And we really just look at it as a whole. We maintain that body. We help get Republicans elected. We really keep the Republican organization going in the right direction and keep it keep it on track. So that's really the chairman's job is to be that liaison between the county parties, the candidates, the national party, um, the RNC, and, and keeping all of that together. And I find myself right in the middle of that. Um, it's like it's like herding sheep all over again. <laughs> so so now, are you self funded? Are you state funded? Are you guys? raise money from the uh, constituents of the party. Yeah. yeah. So the party is all self-funded. So, uh, so no money to the party comes from the state. It's all self-funded, funded on donations. Um, the chairman's job is not a paid job. So that's all self-funded by myself. Um, but the state party, like I say, runs on donations. Um, there's a lot of um, federal election compliance rules that we have to meet um, for as far as the state party goes. Anything that touches federal election, they're subject to um, limits and caps, whereas state elections, the, their unlimited donations can take as much. And so 
when people donate to the party, it caps out. So on federal level, you can only donate $10,000 per person per year at the federal level. Whereas if you're donating to the state level and we have to hold two separate accounts for this kind of stuff, um, it's an unlimited deal and there's ways we can allocate the funds. So it's a, it's a really complex process, but that's, that's how the party's funded. Now, when people need to do or want to donate, do they donate to their local county GOP or do they have to go through your office for a donation? Is there a website? Yeah, no, they don't. They don't have to go through the state party or the county party. They can do either or. I mean, it's whatever they want to want to do. But uh, utgop.org, you can go there. You can donate anytime you want. Um, we have a few clubs. We have a lunch club that comes up once a month. Um, it has a it has a due every year where you pay your dues and then you get access to these these events where we have speakers every month. There's lots of different tiers, things we add, things we take away, but but there are special events that we give access to with those donations as well. So, and given this being an election year, I'm probably pretty sure we need to get the money in the coffer. It's, it's always good. Yeah. Especially, especially this time of year. So, so the party's big, the big time we spend a lot of time and, it's during caucus system. I mean, Utah is really unique that way. A lot of people don't know what the caucus system is. And, and we raised a lot of money this time for the caucus and convention. And, and a lot of states used to work on the caucus and convention system, but Utah is one of the last ones. And what it does is every two years, um, all the counties, there's a, there's precincts within the county. So it's broke down the state party to the county parties. And then the county parties are broken down into legislative districts and then down to precincts. And that's a really grassroots level. That is the neighborhoods. It's broken up into small segments. So every two years, those neighborhoods get together and they elect people from their neighborhoods to basically represent them at the county level and to rep represent them at the state level. And that's what we call the caucus. And, mm -hmm. and they get together and elect those delegates. And then those delegates will meet together. There'll be a county convention for the county delegates. They'll get together and they'll vote on the countywide um, races, the county commissioners and the races that don't go into multiple counties. And then at the state level, the state delegates those will vote on the statewide candidates. That's your your Senate race, your house, your federal races, your House of Representatives, your Senate, um, your governor's races. When those are in cycle, the presidential cycle, all of those will be voted on at the state level. So those state delegates, and that's coming up next week. That's uh, March eighth, seven o'clock. If you go to precinctportal.org, um, type in your address. That'll tell you where your caucus is going to meet together, what precinct you're in. Um, go to that, get elected. That's a great way. People ask me all the time, how do I get involved? Uh, I'd like to start somewhere. Uh, this is the best way to get involved. Go for that. Run, run for a state delegate or county delegate, however you want to do that. So that's, that's what we raise. And then April 23rd is the state convention. And that's where the Republican party will select their candidates to go to the primary ballot. So, um, I, you know, I've often been asked, am I going to run for office? After yesterday, quite possibly, quite possibly, I would say it's north of 50% chance. Um, the party here in Utah, now there are some great you know, leaders in the Senate and in the House. Um, I have to be a little bit careful here um, <laughs> because some of those guys are buddy of mine now. Um, some things need to change in the state, you know, Senate and in in and in the uh, and in the House, but 
those of us who out who are political activists who are up the capital at the capital all the time speaking with legislators need to figure out one thing i'm tired of hearing about people bitching what the politicians don't do well i'm tired of hearing about the bitching that the constituents are not doing see they don't realize this is a two-part system guys like you that need to be in office do everything they can to get in office but for some reason that you have like for example um i won't mention any names but politicians have been in office for many 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 years on the state level and the same crap happens every two to four years you know like right now we're talking about crt here's an issue at crt for example in case you didn't know critical race theory you know these guys are so damn weak it's really pissing us off the state off because they're pussies <laughs> it's my podcast i'm gonna say it they're pussies because if they will allow themselves to be manipulated based on emotions rather than their constituents by the thousands who are against something, but they will fall for it because they do not want to be called a racist. Now, I know this is not your wheelhouse yet, but I'm hoping someday it will fall in your lap because I have faith that you'll do. I, I know you. I know what you. I know how you think. We think alike a lot of times. Now, now, everybody, do not gauge Carson by me. <laughs> That's what you don't do. <laughs> we are two individuals, but we're both conservatives. So let's, you know, because you guys know how I think and the things that I say. I just don't care. But, you know, he is representing the GOP. So I'm going to show some respect today. And uh, because he's not part of that wheelhouse. But I will tell you, if you're tired of what's going on in the state, get off your asses and vote. Do something. Go to your bank account. Send him some money. Let's get the right person in the damn seat so we can start having this conversation of how bad they really are. Carson, I digress. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's funny you say that, though, and I, I'm going to speak pretty candidly as much so as I can, because in my personal capacity, I'm a lot different than in my professional capacity because I have to <laughs> represent the entire state party and all 900,000 Republicans. That's my job. But in my personal capacity, I have a lot more opinions than what I let out. But but the call I get the most often and just for the sake of things, I'm just going to say how it is. I get more emails about let's get when is the when is the state party going to throw Mitt Romney out of the party? That is the call I get more often than not. And and, and it's true. It's some people don't like the guy and, and, right. and that's up to them. But the thing is, that is not my job. And that right. is not the state party's job. And I tell people, if you don't like what a politician is doing, if you don't like what your representative is doing, it's not my job to do that. It is your job to find a candidate, to support that candidate, to get that candidate to, to run and file as a Republican to run against him in the primary, and you help that candidate to beat the one you don't like. But that's what people don't want to do. People don't want to stick their neck out. People don't want to give up their Saturdays to go knock doors. People don't want to do what's hard because it's hard. And that is the problem. And it's like, 
most of the time, I don't think um, the average grassroots understands how much difference it makes. 200 people knocking doors for a single candidate can make more difference for that candidate than you can ever imagine. And it is that grassroots system that drives that. That is what our system is about. And it's there for every candidate. We remain neutral through the primary. We're not allowed to pick a candidate until after the primaries are over. But the constituents can do whatever they want. If there's a candidate you like, by damn, get out there and help them. Go knock doors, donate money, do what you can. Get your neighbors to go help you knock doors, hang flyers, put up signs, whatever it is, go help them. And if you don't like a candidate, find somebody, but you got to pay attention. And most of them don't. Most of them don't. You could ask 95% of the people in this state right now who the Speaker of the House or the President of the Senate is, and they don't know. And, and and I understand it because I would rather not pay attention to politics either. But guess what politics finds you? And if you don't pay attention, it'll end up in your lap. And it's time your you wallet. start paying it in your wallet or in your children's school. And I tell people this time and time again, it will end up in your house. It will end up in your wallet. By damn, it'll even end up in your bedroom if you ain't careful. And that is what is happening. And if you don't start paying attention, there ain't going to be nothing left for you. So show up do something. If you don't like a politician, pay attention. If you don't like a policy, find out who's pushing that bad policy and, and run somebody against them. That is their job as a constituent. And, and if you don't like it, change it. And the best way to change government is to change it at the local level. And this is where it starts. You know, I, and I, and to further that along, I've often, often said that um, those of you out there that say, often would say, hey, I don't do politics. You're actually living it. <laughs> you're actually living it. You're doing it more than you could ever think with your wallet, with your children's freedom. Hell, let me put it this way. A lot of conservatives don't believe in the mask and, the, and forcing people to be mandated for the mask or the vaccine. And you may feel the same. So you think you're not living it. But if your kids are going to public school, guess what? They're living it. And because you didn't take the control from the people in control, you're living politics. So never say you don't do politics because that's just saying you don't know who's screwing you. You don't know who's screwing you. At least if I have a candidate and he lose, I know who's going to screw me. But at the end of the day, I know I tried. We tried. We try to come together, come together and do something positive. You know, I've heard the other day, um, Carson, that uh, Utahans don't like to come off their, their money when it comes to politics. Utah's pretty cheap when it comes to donations. I mean, uh, other state parties, I mean, they're raking in 30, 40 million a year. State party wow. in Utah's lucky to do a couple hundred thousand. If they're really, mm -hmm. really. So and people it, asking, asking for a lot when they're not giving up anything. Right. That, that, that's just it. And we have to understand Utah is a very different situation and we have a different political world. And you, when you look at it objectively, it's a lot different because yes, we, we have, we have different facets of Republican leadership here in the state and, and that's okay. But 
what happens is in other states, it's Republicans versus Democrats. But here in Utah, we are so democratically control, Republican controlled that we don't have to worry about that. It's Republicans against Republican violence most of the time. And, and so we're not fighting the Democrats. So it makes it pretty easy to not be engaged because you just say, oh, the Republicans run everything. But just because Republicans run everything doesn't mean that that policy is going to match what you think it should or, or what conservative policy really is. And that's that's a stance I've taken with the party right now. People say, well, we have to make room for everybody. We have to move the party around so that it fits everybody, so that it's a big tent and, and it's what Ronald Reagan espoused. And I agree. There's room for everybody. But I always hated the notion that they called it a tent because – that implies that the party moves. And for me, it should have been more like a castle with a big old door on it because that sucker shouldn't move because the party should be what it is. And that's what it is. Our party platform espouses a lot of things. And like it talks about school choice. It talks about a lot of things that are dear to conservative principles. And that is what we believe in as a Republican party. And, and that's what we have to fall back on. It's no different than a person who doesn't have any morals or any standards, because when they put a little bit of pressure on them, those people fall apart because they don't, they don't have a foundation. And the party has to have that foundation. We can't take the party and make it fit every single person that we want it to fit. If you want to be a Republican and you believe you are a Republican, that's what that platform is. That says this is what the party is we as Republicans believe in. And that party platform is straightforward. And it, there is no questions about where we stand. And, and that's where I keep falling. I don't make it about people. I don't want to nitpick people all day long. You make it about policy, you make it about principle, and you make it about the platform. And there's no question as to where the Republican Party lies. You know, I saw something yesterday. I would agree with you 100% to what I saw yesterday. I saw one Democrat control the room of Republicans here in our own state. If someone would, someone would have, if someone would have told me this, I would have said, "What the hell ever?" Literally seen this, and I'm like, I mean, you heard about it. And those of you who want to know about it, just look on YouTube or Facebook. I'm sure you'll find it. Um, one Democrat controlled, controlled three Republicans to squash a vote. I had seen that in the, well, it was ugly. It was ugly. I've gotten phone calls after phone calls after phone calls after phone calls because of this. But, and you're right, the platform should have a base. It should have a foundation. If you're a Republican, you should never, ever, how do I say this? At times, I would say maybe you at times you have to reach across the other aisle to make something good happen. But that's not often here in Utah. You know, Utah has 29 senators and six of them are Democrats, 75 legislators and 16 of them are Democrats. So, but here, Carson, my question is this. Actually, my comment is this. Here in Utah, there are Democrats who are Republicans. Because here in Utah, and this is the thing I've been trying to figure out, how do we get around? It's a red state. It's a Republican state. That can't be, uh, except for the state of Salt Lake City. Um, it's all blue. But other than that, majority of the state is Republican. The problem I have with some of these Republicans that's in the House and in the Senate right now is that 
they act like Democrats. You look at their voting history. They vote more for the Democrats or right down the middle. CRT, every, I wouldn't say every Republican, but I know Republicans, I've gotten comments from people up at the Capitol will tell me, hey, look, so-and-so-and-so say, he doesn't like the bill. He's not, his quote was, I'm not passionate for this bill, but I vote for it anyway. So my question is, are you voting because you're a Republican and you're following in line? Or are you voting for the bill, bill because you don't want to be called out? And that's a lot of the problems up at that Capitol. Everybody's worried about being called out for doing the right thing. I told, I mentioned that, I told the president, we were at a, a meeting one night up at the Capitol, a group of us was, and, you know, he said to me, John, sometimes I got to vote my conscience. I said, I have a problem with that, sir. I said, your conscience may not be 75% of the states. What do you do then? And I said to him, well, Mitt Romney said exact same thing. He had to vote his, con- his conscience. He looks at me and he said wisely, he says, you know what, John? He did say that. I forgot, but he did say that. Maybe I need to relook at how I think. He actually said, may I, may, I may need to look, relook at, take a look at myself. You know what? And I take that in earnest. He didn't try to deflect from it. He didn't try to make excuses for it. But he he handled it in the manner that it should have been handled. And he kept the same respect. I, I still respect him even more now. So go ahead. No, that's 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 a hard part. And, and I've always, it is. I've always thought about that. I'm like, oh, we are elected because we believe what we believe. And and people elect us to represent them. So so how do we vote? Do we rep- do we vote to represent what the majority of our constituents feel or do we think to ourselves, oh, yeah, we have a broader knowledge of all this. Like, I, I understand this. I, I've looked into it. Do we vote my conscience? You know, and, I, and I've looked into that a lot. And it's the it's a really fine line to tread. But you you've got to hope and you've got to think that the majority of the time your conscience should align with what the majority of your constituents feel, because that's who elected you. And, and Greg Hughes, um, he's a good dude. And, and I know Greg, I was talking to Greg one day and he said something was really interesting and I never really thought of it, but I've thought of it a lot more lightly. He says, you know, I was in a meeting one time uh, within the district that he represented. And he Mm -hmm. said, a lot of people got up at this meeting and they were talking And he said, I had a realization and he said, I felt as if I didn't, I was not the best representative for these people anymore because that district had changed. And he said, Mm -hmm. I I had to think at that point in time that I was no longer the best representative for those people. And, and oftentimes our politicians, they have to understand that, that, you know what, these districts are changing, people are changing and, and, and maybe you no longer represent them. If you find yourself at odds with your constituents more often than not, Maybe you no longer are the best representative. And I know that's hard to say. And it's hard to hear because we always want to fight for for our districts and we want to make sure that we keep conservatives in there. And that's what I, I want to see me personally, you know, but sometimes that's not what's best. And so it's it's really it's it's kind of hard to pontificate about 
you know, but, but we have to make sure at the end of the day that, that we represent people as best as we can. And it's not about this and politicians are going to fault me for this, but I'm going to say it anyway. You know, sometimes you find yourself uh, and I see it, politicians find themselves and, and they're trying so hard to hold on to that seat that they're making votes that they shouldn't make just to keep their seat. And that is difficult. Yes, we want Republicans in there. And us as a party, yes, absolutely, we want Republicans. But at the end of the day, is that what we're supposed to be doing? Is that what we should be doing? And are you making these votes just to save your seat? Or are you doing what's right for the people in your district? And and people become so attached to their seats. and, And we shouldn't get attached to that seat that should be something and if you can't win off of your voting record you may not represent best that district that you're in and so vote what you're gonna vote do your thing but live with the consequences at the end of the day that's that's the important part (laughs) don't try to i always tell people i would rather have someone hate me for me telling them the truth and something they didn't want to hear than me telling them a lie that was something that they wanted to hear and that they would never respect me again. And and I would rather have them dislike me because we disagree than hate me for lying to them. And and oftentimes that's the way I feel. So I I urge politicians when I sit down with our people from the house and the Senate, I'd say, you know what, vote how you feel, do what's right, but be ready to live with what you've done. And, and, and that's okay. And, and if you find that because of the way you voted, you can't hold on to your seat, well, then so be it. You may not represent that district as good as you should anymore. And, you know, somebody asked me that exact same question. Um, Jake Oaks and I was on a podcast and he asked me the same question. He said to me, so if everybody in your, in your district wanted socialism, what would you do? I said, resign. I would just resign. Because if that's what they want, then they're going to have to find somebody to give them that vote. Because I would not give you that vote. Because, first of all, it's against the law. It's against the Constitution, I should say. You know, so, you know, but, you know, and long story short, in that situation also, you know, I guess it would be a little bit for me to resign. You have to get the Constitution to change for me to, you know, just resign. Because then I'm rolling with the law, the Constitution. The country wanted it. 38 states amended it. I'll step down. But, you know, but I think I'm a big enough man to say, no, I'm not going to vote for this, so I will resign. Now, would I resign every time that would come up? You know what? That's a hard talk. That one is a hard talk. It depends on how big the subject matter is to my constituents. And what I mean by that, I mean, if I got to, look, if I had 20,000 votes from my district, but I got 40,000 people now asking for it, <laughs> you know, it's, that makes it a little rough. Right. That makes it really rough. So I get the conscience thing and I know it's a hard thing uh, to deal with. So like I said, when president Adams um, reply gave me his reply, I accepted that, you know, I want to ask you for something on precincts. Sure. How do people find out where the precincts are? Yeah. So so if you go to the state of Utah has their website and, and the state party has their website. So for the Republican Party, it's called precinctportal.org. And, and you go in there, you punch in your address and it'll tell you what your precinct is. The state party 
or the the state of Utah has one in vote.utah.gov. It has one on there as well that will tell you where where you punch in your address and Republican, Democrat, whatever. It will tell you what precinct you're in, um, where your or when your caucus is, and and where it's at. So, but for the Republican Party, all of our caucuses are on the same night. It's March eighth at seven o'clock, and like I say, you'll have to go on and punch in your address to find out exactly where. Um, your meeting, what school, and what precinct you're actually in. In the past few years, how has the uh, GOP raised money in the state? Just random yeah. donations or events yeah. or what? Yeah, most of it, it's a little bit of everything. Um, a lot of it's you try to match a combination of small dollar donations versus the big donors versus having events that that pay for things. You know, we have a we'll have a breakfast that benefits, you know, all the proceeds go to the party and then we'll have a, we'll have a dinner and all the proceeds go to the party and those monthly luncheons, all the proceeds go to the party. Um, but then a lot of it, like you say, to get that started comes from donations. And so that's, that's how that works. And that's how the party has been funded historically. Um, we're just, for me, I look at more as a business, you have to spend money to make money. And so I look at it a little bit different money that we take in um once we get everything set up and everything squared away it's going to be take money in spend money have events raise more money um provide opportunities to outreach and spread the party's message as well as raise money at the same time are we doing okay right now on, on donations or do people need to step it up now people always need to step it up you know what? that's that's just the hard truth of it it's you'd be amazed. Everybody always told me when I got elected, I was, you know, if every, if every Republican in the state would donate $1 a month, that's 900,000 bucks a month. And I, I look at it like, you know what, if a thousand of them would donate five bucks, it'd be a good day. And and we do have that option <laughs> and we are starting to grow that, but, but I'd like to see more of it. You know, everybody can part, anybody can part with five bucks a month for the most part. And right. if you can't, don't, you know, but, but also here in the state, a lot of folks, um, their charitable giving is done at the church level and, and they give to the church and they think that's good enough. And I say, I, I, I give my tithing to the church and, but I still donate to the party. And so I think that's a, that's a part of it. Cause they say, Oh, I'm already, I'm already donating to a good cause, but, but politics is getting heated. Um, the state is rapidly changing. And and the political climate's getting different and everybody's starting to feel it. And people keep approaching me like this feels different. I don't like where it's headed. Like, what can we do? Well, here's where we're at. You know, that's funny. Somebody, people would actually say to you, I already donate to a good cause. Yeah. Really? Yep. So their future, their kid's future is not in that top two apparently not apparently not or they think that they can give it somewhere better right it's like you know what it's it's time we take okay a interest okay okay well if we uh lost some of our constitutional rights like our first amendment or the second that's worth a, or the, or the second <laughs> or the I mean, second or the second i mean that would be a problem yeah, yeah that's, and, in, that's invaluable 
And people, what folks don't understand is states' rights. How much? How many rights the states actually have that the that the federal government just runs over the top? And it's important that our state is strong for that reason, because the Constitution granted more rights to the states than we actually take, and we need to start taking those states' rights back. And and we as a state need to start pushing back against the federal government, saying, you know, what? we're not doing this crap. Like it doesn't work here. It, it, it doesn't fly. And, and going back to our talk, you know, about doing what's right and, and, and how to determine that. And I look at things. Um, I try to use the constitution as a lens, the mm-hmm. way we view things, you know, right. you try right. to view everything through the lens of the constitution and what it is and your interpretation as best as we can come up with, you know, it's, it's just like freedom of speech. You look at it through, through that lens, you know, when people try to take away freedom of speech, you look at it through the constitution and say, no, that's not what the, that's not what they had in mind. Do they want people going around telling people they're going to kill each other? No, they didn't no. want that. But, but in the next breath, like that's your right to do, but should you No, and, and I think that's, that's where we run into a problem is, is, um, and the constitution was made for a moral society. There's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Our, our founding father said that many, many times. And, right. and there's a lot of things in the constitution. Do you own a gun? Absolutely. Should you go around shooting people all the time? No, that that's not okay. Like they're same kind of deal. There, there's, there's a lot of things. Do we have the right to peaceful protest? Absolutely. Do we have the right to gather and burn down cities? No. No, we but don't. That that's that's it. It's the should we, can we, and should we, and and that is something that that the government should not have to get in the middle of. And actually, you know, especially twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, you know, when everything was getting burned down and people getting beat up and the constitution was thrown out the door, um, police forces was basically defunded. All this crazy crap that was going on and. It, and I will call them out. The Democratic Party basically said it was OK. Yep. You know, it's OK to do this stuff. You know, oh, man, you get me started on this one. I mean, this is a, this is a place This is a, for the entire summer of 2020. They lit pretty much every major city on fire. They yep. burned down buildings. They rioted in the streets. They defaced public. I think that the estimate, I can't remember what it was, $22 billion. Billion dollars. Billion dollars worth of damage. But then, but but that's okay. And our vice president, I hate to call her that even. Um, Who, wait a minute. Who, do we have one? Yeah, I know. I haven't seen her. Lately. Oh, I didn't. I, yeah, I forgot, we, forgot we had one. She's raising money to bail these people out of prison. But then you get a country full of truckers that show up to the Canadian capital and ex- I mean, this is talking about a different country, but the same idea is here because we've seen it time and time again. They you show see up- what they've done to the capital now, though, right? Have you seen what they're doing? Oh, yeah. They're putting back up the fences and, fence and everything because the truckers afraid. are coming. But ask, ask anybody. I watched interview after interview of people that lived in downtown Ottawa. They said these people were nice. They said the city was cleaner after these people were leaving than it was when they got there. These people <laughs> were peacefully protesting, but all of a sudden they are labeled domestic terrorists. Their bank accounts are frozen. Their rights are absolutely trampled. 
on. And I know this is Canada, but people still have rights in Canada. Mm-hmm. But it's but it's going to happen here. And if people think that it's OK to take people's money and freeze their bank accounts because they don't agree with what they do, we are at a discourse. We no longer can have discourse. We we are out of bounds. And, and that's where this country is headed. And, and it, it can't happen. Because that is what the Constitution was for. But these different interpretations, let's call them, uh, are two different things. You have the right to mostly peaceful protest and burn down apartment complexes. (laughs) But heaven forbid you actually show up in peaceful protest, but you're on the other side of the aisle. So therefore, we are going to take away your money. We are going to take away any donations. We're going to shut down your bank account. We are going to dox you. We are then going to freeze anybody's bank account who might support you or any business that you might have frequented in that time frame. But the thing is, you know, this is where the American citizen lose it. When I mean what I mean lose it, I mean they don't pay attention. A lot of Americans don't, even conservatives, they don't say, well, wait a minute. If it can happen in Canada, it can happen in here. Well, let me tell you something, people. It really can happen here. If 2020 and 2021 isn't an indication of what really can happen in the United States, you lost your damn mind. You are sleeping in la-la land. You are in extreme denial of what can happen in this country. Now, if you touch our guns, which Canada banned 1,500 guns, types of guns, prior all this BS went down. They banned them. AK-47s, they were banned, among 1,400 other styles of guns. But in the United States, luckily for us, you know, we have more people out of the military, retired, than active duty right now. And I dare to say Second Amendment is a trigger to a lot of people. Because the one thing about Americans, they may not know all the amendments, but they do know the second. <laughs> that's the one that, that's the one that matters. But but I mean you, we talk about it funny, but but it's really it, it is funny because it's the one we cling to the most. But you look overseas what's happening right now. When 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 things hit the fan and things start to get bad, what do they do? The government starts handing guns back to the citizens. We never <laughs> yeah. we never have that problem. And, and and like I say, the Second Amendment wasn't really made for us to defend against other countries. It was made for us to defend our own rights against our own government. And, and the fathers and knew that. They knew that. And, and I mean, that's what started this whole deal in the first place. It, it was the revolution all over again. And and that's what they believed in. And and there's a reason why they espoused it second. It wasn't quite as important as the first, but it was no less important. And it's 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 important. And and you see it time and time again. And it, it shows up and people need to realize that and people need to fight for it. Because as you said, 2020, 2021, we saw the government do a lot of bad things in the name of goodness. And they took away a lot of freedoms and a lot of liberties that were not theirs to take away. And and we just let them. And they used crises to um, usurp power that didn't belong to them. And and it got us a long ways from where we should be. In my opinion, 2020, 2021 set back democracy farther than any other time period um, since the founding of this country because of of the rules that were just negated. And let me tell you, people did it because they thought it was good. 
And, and these politicians took this power because they thought they were doing a higher good. And, and sometimes I have a hard time faulting them for that. But at the end of the day, it's the Constitution, and you don't get to tell the Constitution that it's wrong because it's set up for a reason, and there's a reason why it's the oldest living government doc, governing document out there. And and so I can say I I get pretty turned up about this kind of stuff because I, I know how important it is um, that we maintain these rights and that, and that the Constitution stays where it's at and it keeps doing what it's doing because it's gotten us this far and it's the only thing that's going to get us into the future. But we have to um, – it has to be something that both sides of the party or both wings of this bird, I guess you'd call it believe in because it, it when one side no longer believes in the constitution first chance they get they're going to try and get rid of it and, and that'll be the biggest mistake we ever make the biggest mistake that would be the ultimate demise of freedom in this country you know in 2020 and 2020 and 21 you know it it amazes me how this country can be completely torn up from one trigger one trigger, George Floyd. That one trigger is all it took. And that one trigger justified, according to them, everything they've done. Organizations started like Black Lives Matter, got popular, got wealthy, became um, the, the left's bantra. Um, all, lives don't, all lives don't matter until Black Lives Matter. All that crap came about and they made it okay. So my question is to you, this is my question. Do you think something like that can happen can happen in Utah? Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I agree. I agree. Because let me tell you why. Let me tell you my version first. It's because of the white people. Huh? Let me tell you what, it's because the white people. Well, first of all, that's all there is here for the most part, other than Hispanics. <laughs> then there's the blacks, and or then there's the Asians, and then there's the blacks. But think about this, Carson. Think about this. If George Floyd was killed in this state, same scenario. Nobody in the state wants to be called a racist. So they'll lean to the left just so they don't get identified as being a racist. It's like these people who have Black Lives Matter signs in their yard in the state of Utah. Half of them people don't give a damn about Black Lives Matter. Just don't burn my house down. Just want to be left alone. Yep. Well, that's what they put the signs up there for. <laughs> oh, they've got a sign in the house. We won't touch them, buddy. No, and that's that's just it. And like you say, it's is it true empathy is that is, is it really is it really empathy or is it just trying to avoid confrontation and and that's where i get it it, it is hard for me to watch leaders and lead by emotion and and i don't think good decisions are made through emotion yes we need to have empathy and empathy is important but um good information drives good decisions and and good decisions are made not when you're emotional they're when you're rational and when things make sense and that's the style of leader i like to see i look back through the past and you look at any good leader um good or bad that that has done great things whether you agreed with them or not and all of them govern in the same way and and all of them do the same thing you look at reagan you look at washington you even look at john f kennedy you look at those types of people 
um, they made decisions not based in emotion. And I, and I think Reagan is kind of my best example when it comes to that. And even Trump, Trump made a lot yeah. of freaking decisions and people fault me for this. And I'm not shy about it. I voted for Trump in 2016, voted for Trump in 2020. And I'd vote for the dude again tomorrow, not because I love the guy and not because I think everything he says is smart. Some of the stuff I think he says is retarded, but that being said, he surrounded himself with good policy and he made good policy and he made decisions based on fact for the right reason. You look at our economy, you look at the world. We were energy independent one year ago, a year and a half ago. It's been that long. Well, it feels like mm-hmm. millennia. Yeah. <laughs> we were energy independent. We were exporting oil. You know why Russia didn't invade Ukraine? Because they didn't have the money to do it because we weren't buying 20% of their oil. We were strong. We were exporting oil. People didn't want to mess with us because we were dependent. It's the same. It's the same as a person. Uh, you look at it the same as any person. If a person is being productive in this world, and the person is making their own way in the world, and they are providing to society, and they are making money, and they are self-sufficient, they don't owe anybody anything. But you get somebody who borrows money from a friend. Well, now they owe that friend and they start making decisions to justify what they're doing because they owe money. If that friend needs a favor, whether you want to do it or not, you usually do it because you owe that person. And and that is as a country, that is what's happening to us. We have become dependent on other countries. When it comes to oil, we have become dependent on other countries when it comes to energy. We have become dependent on other countries when it comes to um, processing chips. We have uh, for all of our goods. You want to know the scariest thing? Because this is the world that I come from. We have become dependent on other countries to feed our own country. We are forcing our own farmers and ranchers out in this country uh, because of federal regulation and because of crappy trade deals. We are killing our own domestic agriculture industry. If we stopped imports today, it is up in the air whether or not the United States any longer produces enough food to feed our own country. You want to talk about something that's damn scary? You talk about outsourcing your food supply, because guess what? You can do without cars. You can do without oil. You can do without cell phones, processors, doesn't matter. Want to see how long you, how well you do without food. That is, that is a scary premise. And if the world wanted to show us a lesson right now, they would cut off our trade deals. And you want to see me get wound up, you start getting me talking about agriculture and, and stupid policy in this country that is ruining agriculture. And we're going to do something to fix this because I don't want to see the day when my neighbor down the street is starving to death. You know what? I'm going to do the most I can to support that people. But we are in a world of hurt and we are in trouble because of weak leadership and, and policy. And that's how I went down this rabbit hole of talking about Trump and policy. <laughs> but but that's what it is to make rational decisions. Sure. We'd love to see, you know, I could go down this rabbit hole for years, but I want to see good policy <laughs> and, and fact driven um, decisions based on good policy are what make this go around. Sometimes. It hurts. And sometimes it's not the most emotionally stable decision. And sometimes it isn't what you think is best for everybody. But here, here's a prime example. People love avocados. I'll use this as this is a perfect example. People love avocados. They're green. They're healthy. Everybody likes them. You know where most of our avocados come from? They come from the country of Chile. I have friends that live in Chile. They have diverted rivers in Chile to grow avocados most of the world's avocados come from that region they have diverted rivers 
that went that used to go to villages along those rivers now those villages no longer have water all of them are having to pick up and leave that is not fact-driven stuff and that is a bad decision but it is hurting these people because we don't have all the facts when we make these decisions we make the decisions think oh that's green that's organic that's that's great you know let's let's keep eating avocados we're helping these countries those aren't the facts those are not good decisions and they are hurting people along the way ladies and gentlemen that's why i love this guy <laughs> that's why he's my dude when i talk to this man i can just listen all day long as a matter of fact i'm gonna have to have him on again in a few weeks because he just told you the absolute truth you don't have to hear it from me you can hear it from carson jorgensen jorgensen excuse me because everything he just told you was absolutely the truth you know Ukraine would have never attacked Russia. I mean, Russia would have never attacked Ukraine when Trump was in office because we were exporting oil. Oil is 40% of Russia's national revenue. 40%. But now they're making a hell of a lot of money right now. Yeah. Well, look at it right now. Everybody says, oh, we're going to quit drinking Russian vodka. That makes up less than 2% of Russia's GDP. Less than 2%. Where's the sanctions on oil? Guess what? We can't quit buying their oil because we can't sustain ourselves anymore because we shut down domestic production. That's how smart we are. Let me tell you, this is... I'm a freaking sheep farmer, and I understand this. Like, It is not rocket science to say, if we don't produce enough oil, we have to buy it from someone. And guess what? It's usually the bad guys. Mm-hmm. And another thing is they're talking about sanctioning, you know, the banks. 80% of the banks in, in Russia have been sanctioned. Well, here's a problem. Putin owns almost 100% of them. He just transferred his money to the other 20. Right. And, and, and to make this whole deal work. They had to have China when it looked at trade deals to make this whole deal work. You had to have China say, we're not going to trade with Russia. And the rest of the world has to say the same thing because we don't have the leverage because they are in the driver's seat because they have the leverage because we have made ourselves dependent on them. And, and you look at it, it doesn't matter if it's the Middle East, if it's Afghanistan for rare earth metals, if it is Saudi Arabia for oil, OPEC, whatever it is, doesn't matter. You become dependent on those people. You put yourself in a compromising position, and that is exactly where we're at right now. We are caught with our pants down because Russia is providing, I think they said, 20% of our oil right now. And and we don't want to cut that off because the Democrats have already hurt themselves. Gas prices are already hurting. They've dropped as much oil out of the strategic reserves as they dare. So now they don't instead of ramping up domestic production, open the gates. We Americans are damn good at what we do. And you let the American entrepreneur and the free enterprise take over. We're going to be fine. The problem is government gets in the way and government sucks. But they are the worst people to do anything. And I hate to say that, but they are. And anybody who knows it, once the government gets involved, things get 10 times more expensive and they take twice as long. Let me let me feel this one. It goes to shits. Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> it goes to shits. Let me say that. Because the federal government does not create anything. And no. people don't people don't realize this. The federal government does not create anything. All they do is spend money, buy from 
manufactures and distribute it. But they don't, mm-hmm. for example, expensive hammers, toilet seats, whatever. They don't create anything. And people don't understand that. No, they They're don't. They're talented. No, you know who, you know what the solution to this whole thing is? The solution to every problem is the American entrepreneur. That is the solution to all of our problems. Free market, capitalism, capitalism. is going to solve everything. Just leave us alone, get the hell out of the way, and let the American people figure it out because that's what we do. But the problem with these people in the government, they realize then we don't have no power. If we let the American people do what they want to do and run this country the way it's supposed to be ran, we don't have the power. For example, Donald Trump, businessman. I've always said this is the world's biggest corporation. Not anybody can run this company. No. You have to have life experiences and you have to make hard calls. Calls and choices. Yeah, you're not always going to be popular. You know what? I'm not always popular. I make a decision as a chairman. It doesn't doesn't always sit well with some people, but I do what's best, I think, for the people and what's going to expand the influence. And the same is no different for our country. Sometimes it's going to hurt you. But that doesn't mean it's not what's best for the country. But you look at what's going on right now. It is the worst for everybody. There is really nothing good happening for anyone at this moment, because I come back to it time and time again. You cannot fill somebody else's glass if yours is empty. And when our cup is empty, we can't do anything for our neighbors. We can't do anything for other countries. We can't help ourselves, but we are, we are in a strong position. When our cup is full and our candles burning, we are that city on a hill and we can help other people, but we can't do that unless we're in a good, good place and true empathy and true leadership and true civics. And to be a good neighbor comes from being strong comes from being in a place where you can help others. It's not from shell out more money than you have because then our country's in debt. We're servicing our own debt. We can't help other countries. It comes from being strong, and that's what these people don't get. You know, what's, here's what's crazy. Speaking of debt, I've always found this interesting. Our country always, we're printing more money, more money, more money, more money, more money. But yet, when you're printing money, how do you create debt? If you're printing money out of the air, how is that possible? Because they back it with bonds. That's what they do. So when they print that money, they back it with a bond that they send sell off to the market. So yes, they are printing money, but they're trying to back it with something, but they're backing it with something that's not tangible. Um, That's what it's just paper. You're backing it with paper. Yeah. You're backing, you're backing paper with more paper that somebody else paid you money for. and, And that's what's happening right now. Once we went off the gold standard and there was nothing physical backing it, that's when we really took a turn for the worst because now it opens that door to print as much money. They said we've printed, and I don't know the exact statistics, so don't quote me, but look it up. They said more money has been printed in the last year than has ever been printed in the history of our country combined. Yeah, because we're at what? We're at $40 trillion right now, $34 yeah, so trillion. Somewhere dollars. between 34 <laughs> and $40 trillion is is the last estimate. That's the other part. They don't even know. They don't even <laughs> know how far we are in debt because the spending's not done yet. Yeah, ain't that the truth? They're never done spending. And, and you know, you know the reason why I got into politics because they were throwing money at everybody else during the PPP except for me. Right. Because I open my, <laughs> and that's what got me into this mess, this politics, you know, the world that we're in right now, because, you know, I pay my taxes, but yet I could not get part of the PPP for my employees. 
So you're making because too it's much money because you're still no. working. <laughs> no, because they said my business was too new. The coffee shop was too new. I started oh. in February, April, February, February, March of 2020. Did oh, not see timing. this coming. Dude, didn't see it coming. yeah, didn't see it coming. January, when he came out, January 29th, and he shut down the country. It's like, oh, shit. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. No, what do we do I, now? I get it because my business kind of besides my ranching business, my other business relies on disposable income. And I'll tell you what, it hurt. And and we let the once again, we gave the government more power than we did. And they did it in the name of being good and saving people's lives. And but that's not their power to have. How do you think we're gonna turn out in 2022 here in Utah? 2022 is going to be great for Republicans all the way around. And, and we're looking at the national level. We want things fixed at the national level. Um, Amen. Utah's, Utah's in good shape, but we want back to house. We want back to Senate and the Democrats are running scared now. I mean, they are, they are trying to flip the narratives in every state. They're trying to say, you know, all along it was Republicans that wanted masks all along. Oh, it was yeah. Republicans all along. It was Republicans that wanted vaccine mandates all along. It was Republicans <laughs> who were defunding the police. Like how the CRT. hell do people get away? <laughs> yes. How do people get away with lying this bad? And we let them. Like, that's what I don't understand. Are people really going to believe this? And, and we're about to find out whether or not they're going to believe this in 2022. But that's what's crazy about that, part, um, Carson. This is what's crazy. There are literally millions of people out there that will believe this switch narrative, yep. the deflection. They yep. will believe this crap and they will eat it like great Kool-Aid, drink it like great Kool-Aid. What happened to Afghanistan? Why is that not still on the front right? page of everything like right? the biggest public debacle the next ukraine's right up there too but the worst public debacle in the history of our country and it stayed in the news cycle for like three days like three days and, and that doesn't make sense to me we should be sent shouting from the rooftops that the Democrats gave back a country to terrorists after we took it back. They're letting them rape and pillage the entire country and kill people with $80 billion of weapons that we left there for them. Why is this not in the front page of everything? I just don't understand. You know, there's so many issues that should be on the front page when yeah. it comes to Afghanistan. Just that alone should be on the front page every single day. $80 billion worth of equipment. You know, Americans still stranded. You got private citizens over there trying to get Americans out. Yep. You got people like Glenn Beck book, booking airplanes, chartering planes through uh, Mercury One to get um, individuals out of there till this day. But yet yep. it disappeared. We don't hear a damn thing about it. And now if you hear, uh, oh, oh, what's his name? Oh, Biden. That's what I said. Oh, Biden. Oh, it wasn't a mistake. It's oh, Biden. <laughs> when you hear oh, Biden talk, you know, he's doing something fantastic. We're doing everything just as fast as we can. No, you idiot. You knew about this in October. What yep. they were moving. They, you knew this in October. Well, Carson, hey, look, we got about 45 yeah. seconds left, buddy. I enjoyed my time with you. But, hey, I'm going to give you the last few seconds to talk to people. How to get in touch with the caucus system? What they need to do to uh, what they need to do to do, donate? You got about thirty seconds, I think. Yeah, so just go to utgop.org. All the information about caucus night, which is coming up on March eighth. Um, anybody in Utah wanting to file to run as a candidate, that filing period is open right now from today, which is the second, I believe, till 
um, this Friday coming up. So that is when the filing period is open. Um, if you're running for a county seat, that's not multi-county file in your own county. If it's a multi-county seat or statewide race, you have to file at the state capitol. File the run, be a candidate, be involved. We'll be glad to have you. Thanks, Carson. Thanks for being here. Ladies and gentlemen, Carson Jorgen, GOP state chair. And uh, I will get in touch with you guys on Thursday. We have this chat again. My name is John Harvey. I'm your host of the Modern Conservative Podcast. Love you all.